0: Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is March 31st, the end of the month, the end of Q1. And this is just some additional content we're providing in on top of the greatest hits of Canada Rocks. This time on Friday, like with lithium prices falling and everyone just talking themselves into a downward spiral of negativity. What could turn it around, and and we concluded, you know, M and A could turn it around, and lo and behold, Albemarle has been aggressively going after Liontown, but Liontown decided to publicize this aggressive approach uh, to be acquired at a price that they don't seem to like, and the publication of that announcement has caused a short squeeze. But uh, before we go into that, I just want to remind everybody, if you like our content, please subscribe to Rockstock channel, You know, like and comment on this video, and also consider joining us as Patreons. The $10 tier gets you early access and extended cuts. The $100 tier gets you you know, a group phone call with Rodney and me once a quarter, and the $300 tier gives you a one-on-one. Every quarter with Rodney and me, uh, where you can ask us anything you like. With that, Rodney, what's up in, in our category? The interesting
1: thing, Howard. I was just—I was thinking about it as you said. It is that
0: that Lantown bid was the third bid from Albemarle. That—that's right. And they're on the tape. You know, they—they they were on the tape accumulating like two and a half percent, and then another announcement came out that they were up to like four and a half percent. So. Like Albemarle is pretty serious. I haven't done the math about actually how much stock that they've bought so far, but they're clearly, you know, in that second press release that Liontown put out, it indicated that Albemarle is interested to talk to other shareholders because the board doesn't seem to, um, you know, is making decisions for all the shareholders. So it's an interesting, you know, M&A dynamic at play. It, it is. I mean, if you think about it,
1: So what what is the messaging that we can take away from this? The first one is we know how early stage incumbent and major players they are chatting to, so they are clearly taking the view that stronger for longer and needing to secure supplies it's not just near-term producers that are having conversations it's everyone so that's the first thing you know the other thing is we know from conversations with clients and non-clients and generally in the market that incumbents and potential newcomers are speaking to earlier and earlier stage mining companies which again actually that's giving credibility and credence to the idea that we are going to have a bifurcation of markets is going to be a China and ex-China. If you believe that downstream capacity is going to be built in Europe and North America and elsewhere, and then cathode capacity and battery cell capacity, then it looks like they're going to start, uh, you know, divvying it up. But I made this point five years ago, there is nothing in the 50 to 100 million tons or bigger spodum Mine, that's not spoken for you know it's too it's potentially anything that can get up to a few hundred thousand or even potentially in time a million tons of production is just too big to be left alone we saw Albemarle step in on Wajuna they're looking at line town so who else is next we know that Patriot I think it's going to be 150 million tons or possibly more winsome is uh, also having great success drilling frontier looks like it could be a hundred million ton deposit you've got james bay's already at 40 i'm sure they could drill up more but i guess that's in all hands already critical elements has got exploration upside so i don't think you'd be as aggressive if you were just going to be selling it back to china i think this is a case of buying tier one assets for ex-china production
0: We've talked about MA accelerating. It's going to continue to accelerate. There's going to be a lot, lot more MA activity, I believe, inside lithium from outsiders coming into lithium, big deposits, medium-sized deposits. But there definitely seems to be a proclivity for hard rock spodumene software in safe jurisdictions and good jurisdictions. That's a great lead-in to the Canada Rock's greatest hits. Who among all the companies that we interviewed might be acquired in the coming year or two. And with that, let's enjoy Lithium Rush and, you know, the Rolling Stonks Hot Rocks, you know, the greatest hits. Musical inspiration for Canada Rocks, I draw from Rush and the Rolling Stones, in particular, their first greatest hits album, Hot Rocks. It's no accident this conference is taking place on Ruby Tuesday. Lithium investing can often feel like the adventures of Tom Sawyer. In the wake of a 50% decline in China spot carbonate and with global bank failures in the headlines, we're in one of those now familiar gimme shelter retracement periods. Good timing for those with surplus cash to sharpen their pencils and identify the right lithium company dips to buy. I see a red door, and I want to paint it black. Siona and closer to the heart, Piedmont, will imminently restart Spodumene software production in Val d'Or, Quebec, which will supply Tesla, LG Chem, and other Tier 1 names. But these rolling stonks have not yet experienced the re-rating that Greenfield peers, Core, and Sigma have over the past 12 months. I can't get no satisfaction. Highlighted in blue on this Ark Equity scoreboard are producers and developers who have risen the most over the past fifteen months since January twenty twenty one. Sigma Lithium is up fourteen hundred percent from three dollars to forty six dollars Canadian. It is now the number one ranked pre producer. Congratulations to my friends Anna and Calvin Gardner. Siona rose even more, twenty three hundred percent in this time frame, from less than a penny when Piedmont invested to now $0. 22 cents, from a measly 20 million market cap to unicorn status, 1.3 billion, and ranked number four. Core Lithium is up 840% and is ranked number six. What these three have in common is imminent spodumene production, substantial revenue, and super normal software margins. Patriot and Winsome were not even on the scoreboard in January, 2021, but are now number seven and 21, respectively. Each stock has been up well over 10 times, reflecting the hot rocks in the hottest exploration speculation location, James Bay, Quebec. I've talked for the past five years about how important the North American Lithium Triangle will be, the spodumene to hydroxide lithium triangle. There are more than six Sigma Lithiums in Quebec, Ontario, and Carolina. In my opinion, we should be speaking about the North American Lithium Triangle with the following six words that begin with the letter S, secure scalable, sustainable, strategic, spodumene supply chain. Quebec and Ontario rank very highly in the Fraser rankings as among the best mining jurisdictions in the world. Canada's ESG credentials are super positive, with super low cost and super green hydro power in Quebec, and Ontario's 50% plus clean nuclear. Cheap, clean hydro is why Quebec hosts so much alumina refining and aluminum smelting, which are enormously energy intensive. If all the projects represented at this Canada Rocks conference come into production by 2030, the North American Lithium Triangle could produce 3 million tons of spodumene converted to 400,000 tons of battery-grade lithium hydroxide. This would be enough for 7 million EVs per year which is less than the 8.5 million EVs President Biden is targeting at a 50% penetration rate by 2030. And 400,000 tons of hydroxide is well short of the 650 to 750 lithium hydroxide units that are needed to feed America's gigafactories currently being built.
2: Yeah, the price has come off and of course, equity markets, um, they don't like that. But I, I think for every producer, there's so much more than a short-term game in, in play here. Um, what I shared back in in uh, the latter part of 2021, and really from even from the second half of 2020, I was really optimistic about the direction that was going to take because we could see a significant build out in chemical capacity, but it was happening without any reference to spodumine supply. So it seemed to us um, that at some point in time, in time in the cycle, there was going to be leverage in in owning the rock, as our peer would say, Chris Ellison. So my view hasn't changed there. I think where there is margin in the supply chain for the most part you are going to see that flow upstream to the raw material suppliers because because that's the biggest and most difficult piece in the puzzle to deliver and and bear in mind the backdrop that I'm within which I'm sharing that feedback is to say I'm thinking about the medium term and the long term in the industry I would still say there hasn't been enough capital deployed in in raw materials supply to ensure um, an even distribution of lithium units in the supply chain, uh, neither
0: in the short, medium, or the long term. So yeah, still very optimistic out. But you said mining's the hardest. Um, Elon Musk is saying refining's the hardest, and that's where the margin is. So uh, you are outwardly disagreeing with Elon Musk.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'd i love to know who's advising Elon because I, I couldn't disagree more basically with the position that he's taken. Refining capacity is not an issue globally. Sure, there's a concentration of refining capacity in China today, but I'm equally optimistic that that capacity is going to be built out elsewhere around the world. And bear in mind to build chemical capacity Realistically, something like eighteen months to to twenty four months is probably not a bad estimate for building some capacity. But a mine is measured virtually in decades as to the delivery of its capacity, and that mismatch cannot be short solved short you know shortly or in short order. So I feel like he's either a genius talking his own book because. He wants us all to believe that there is excess raw material, or in fact, he's being poorly advised. Because, yeah, I, I just cannot agree with with that thesis. So you've achieved
1: a production now and started in March, and uh, I read in the announcement that the first shipment was due in in the third quarter. So, what does it sort of mean, volume wise? What do you need to accumulate in tonnage to do a shipment?
3: Well, yeah, we're going to, this, this year, we're going to be ramping up. You know, we just started the production. Uh, we believe that going to take about uh, six months before reaching our nameplate capacity of 226,000 tons per year uh, at that plant. That's going to be our, uh, this is our target uh, for this year. Uh, with the six-month ramp-up period, we'll be producing between 85,000 to 115,000 tons of, uh, of concentrate. Uh, yes, you just mentioned, we're quite excited about, about seeing the first revenue coming in, uh, in in July. In July, our first shipment uh, should be around uh, 30,000 ton of uh, concentrate.
1: Uh. First of all, congratulations. It's uh, impressive to see an operation get back up and running. Always good to see in the lithium world. Um, I understand from the um, announcement that 70 tons of spodumene concentrate was produced. Can you talk. I know there were some new pieces of equipment put in the uh, in the production process. Can you talk a bit about the grade and the impurities uh, from and those specs on the on the new tons and how that sort of compares to what North American lithium used to produce?
3: Yeah, we, we are uh, we we are currently, as you just mentioned, on the on the commissioning, and uh, we are on track uh, to, to 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 deliver the the, the first lithium production. Uh, we said that we would do that in march so uh, we started that in february actually so a little bit uh, a little bit uh, ahead of schedule so uh, what we're looking at here is that uh, we're looking at uh, producing a, a concentrate uh, from 5.4 5.5 to, to 6% as of today i mean things are progressing very very well and that, as you mentioned we have already produced a 70 ton but that this is all news we have produced uh, more than that, and uh, we did also produce uh, many, many more tons of, uh, of, of concentrate.
1: And how does, that, how does this product now that you're producing compare to what North American lithium used to produce back in the day?
3: Well, we have uh, with, with the new equipment, you know, we have invested about $100 million uh, in, in equipment in order to improve uh, quality, productivity, and uh, efficiency. But it's same the same rock that we're mining. If we if we talk about that, you now we have about 88 million ton of uh, measured and indicated resources uh, at North American lithium at 1.05 percent lithium. In the coming month, uh, we will be uh, updating, uh, and we will have a, a DFS that uh, we will be able to publish. We will have at that at that time a new resource
4: you know, how do you think about the long-term growth in Canada and then your exposure to, to maybe some of their other proge- projects or prospects? Is it predominantly just through equity investment that you hold in CyanA and, and things like Moblan or Tanzum? And is, you know, is your upside limitate, limited, excuse me, to that equity investment or, or are there other opportunities to kind of grow your exposure in Quebec?
5: So cyana has got two basic businesses in Quebec. They've got what they call the Abitibi Hub and the Northern Hub. So the Abitibi Hub is surrounding Val d'Or. It's called the Abitibi region in Quebec. NAL is there, OTA is there, Tansom is there. So they're all within the Abitibi Hub. We directly own a 25% interest in that. That that is Sionna Quebec effectively. So we're not directly invested in Mobland. We are the biggest shareholder of So we're excited about the prospects of Mobland. I think Mobland has really wonderful upside. I don't you know, I don't have firsthand information on it yet. I mean, we'll we'll get information at some point and so will the market, but I get the sense it's going to be really big on the downstream side and and more broadly speaking in Quebec. We want to be North America's biggest lithium hydroxide producer. That's a that's an audacious goal. Now, we have 60,000 tons under plan now in Tennessee and Carolina. We'd eventually like to build more. We're aware of a number of pretty interesting spodumene opportunities in Quebec outside of Sayana and pretty exciting opportunities in Ontario, in the Maritimes, in Manitoba, we're looking at everything. And well, we made really well-timed investments into Quebec and in Ghana. We're not going to chase anything, but if there's an opportunity for us to invest or partner with somebody to you know, own part of the spodumene exposure and do conversion in Quebec, you know, we're looking at that really hard. We're also obviously working with Sayana. Quebec's a wonderful place to go downstream. And that Lacorn location is interesting. I mean, it is literally on the it's 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 in the same building as the concentrate plant. So it's it's right there. You know, in Carolina, we're sort of half a mile from the concentrate plant to the chemical plant. This is literally in the same building. So that's exciting. And uh, we're very supportive of that.
0: So right now C V five is the focus, but also C V13. There seem to be a lot of additional pegmatite outcrops there. Uh, what's your plan for exploration, you know, there, you know, and at what point, you know, does it make sense to pivot away from drilling and just like, you know, aggressively just pursue getting into production?
4: So this is a probably a good point to segue into one of the things that we believe makes uh, Patriots stand out and it is scale. And the reason that's important is if you identify 20 or 30 million tons, that's great, but really for it to mean something, it needs to be a larger scale. And the reason for that is whatever we wanna think we are, we're miners and we're gonna produce a very simple concentrate, a spodumine concentrate. That spogamine concentrate is fed to a chemical plant. Those chemical plants don't like to be upset by multiple feeds from multiple facilities. So why scale is important is because the people that are building these $3 billion chemical plants that are going to produce 100,000 tons of spodumene concentrate to feed into the oil plants and the battery plants. They need a consistent feed. They want to build that plant and know that plant is going to run, that chemical plant is operate for 10 or 20 years from a consistent field. So that's what we believe we define at CB5, is something that can equate to about 20 years life of mine for, for a $3 billion chemical plant that's producing 100,000 tons per annum of spodumene concentrate. So CV-5 can serve one customer. So we still have a great deal of drilling to do. So we will advance CV-5 and we'll we'll find a path and define that path for CV-5. However, we're not going to stop drilling. This is 50 kilometers of trend. We have multiple oat crops that are even clusters of oat crops that deserve to be drilled. Even if one of those clusters are sitting on one company's property, it has the potential to be another CV-5. We believe this is is connected. And if it's connected, we've got something that's quite significant. That is the geology delivering it. What we identified at CV 13 even though the market hasn't really picked up on it, is another discovery. We've still got a number of clusters in the area that we put boots on the ground that could be multiples of CV 5 but we have to drill it to be sure and identify. But the geology tells us there's a very high probability that there is some interconnectivity amongst these oat crops. There are many other cosology plays, but all of this is driven by geology. There's opportunities to find 10 or 20 million tons at multiple locations, but it doesn't really demonstrate the economics you need with the scale that what we've identified at, at the Corvette property. I believe there are more Corvette properties in Quebec. We're very fortunate that the CV-5 corridor, that, that, that is this greenstone belt that is host to this bank intrusive body that appears and continues to demonstrate a very rich spodumene mineralization doesn't mean the next greenstone bell has it he could but it really comes down to the source rocks and the question comes up well what about you guys you run your course you, you know your billion and a half dollars well i i often reference things like boise bay a lot of north americans are familiar with nickel obviously this is lithium but lithium is the new nickel you could argue people should look in the history books and see how boise bays ran boise bay ran up to I think it was a four billion market cap in the late in the late nineties on a drilling only massive deposit, massive significance for the nickel space. So we still will continue to drill this amazing property and define as much as we can with the drill bit.
2: Uh, and lastly, can you talk about what you, we should expect as far as news flow uh, on the assays or or what you're thinking about results in in, in the near future, and then just on the mining front. How beneficial is it for you to have just, uh, a lot of results being very close to surface? And how does that impact mining cost and your uh, mining plans?
6: Well, I think over the next 12 months, there's going to be continual, continual news flow in terms of drilling results. Now, of course, we have people from all quarters hounding us for continual results. For us, it's about assays are still relatively slow, six to eight weeks to come in. For us, it's pulling together the assays into a meaningful announcement and a material announcement to put out to the market, uh, which is what we're doing at the moment. We expect an announcement very shortly with the next series of drill holes. And as I say, we'll, those will continually come out while we're drilling over the next 12 months or so. There will be various uh, announcements relating to our PEA, which we're working on in sort of environmental studies and metallurgical test work results. And I think with us... Um, Given that our deposit at Dina is at surface, I think that, of course, that will help the mining cost. There's virtually no overburden to remove. And, and I think it's a relatively per- permit, let me say, a permit light project in that we sit on a plateau above the surrounding landscape. Water doesn't appear to be an issue, as in lakes around us. And we appear to have good relationships with the First Nations people. So as far as mining projects and approvals go in Quebec, this there doesn't seem to be any um, uh, any trip ups so far, so we look forward to doing our surveys, uh, appointing a VP of approvals, and then getting this project permitted as soon as possible.
0: Katie, let's start. You you cover the stock. I don't know where the valuation is today, but it was about four five hundred million, you know, market value, you know, two eighty uh, or so. Uh, now it's probably down to two twenty or something like that. But your your target was recently raised, Katie, to. To what i forget
7: five dollars yeah we do- raised to five dollars oh. so stocks trading at half our nav right now which kind of seems a little bit crazy for a project that's in the location it's in it's fully permitted it's effectively construction ready no off taking place waiting for strategic partner
8: okay well, that's, that's all we need to say about
7: it katie it's clear interest is high you're seeing strategic step in you're seeing auto oem step in we saw black gm we saw tesla rumored to buy sigma it seems like demand for the material is incredibly high yet we're seeing a bit of the pullback in spot pricing out of china i'd be curious to get your latest sort of thoughts on the industry given you know you were sell side at one point and just what you guys are seeing in terms of pricing and, and demand
8: yeah, I mean, it's very key to get the right pricing structure. And that's another complexity another the layer of complexity in the discussions with potential off-takers is getting that pricing back and right. And of course, we see those those spot quotes on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis and and focus on that the reality is the vast majority of lithium is transacted on contract not on spot and so what we've seen is contracts have been trying to catch up to a really rampant spot market that gap has been closing and of course spot has backed off but we see it spot backing off every year at this time of the year um, with the chinese new year and so on and then when you throw into that the market share battle that, that that has been going on for cells, that also puts another twist onto the spot market and then ultimately onto the contract market so we hate to see what's happening in the spot market we hate to see the equity valuations reflecting the spot but the reality is that in this long-term game that's going on there is a deficit there are growing deficits as we see Forward, and we are playing that long-term game and ensuring that our pricing mechanism will reflect true value.
7: Oh, I completely agree, and I think I think what will be important is also speed to market, and obviously the position that you are in with a fully permitted project, near-term production, um, is really important. Last we spoke, I believe the strategy was to go and produce a spodumene concentrate product only to get into into production as soon as possible. I'm curious what your current thinking is around uh, downstream processing or how that could change as you guys look to bring on a strategic.
8: Yeah, we're, we're laser focused on ensuring that we're funded to get the mine and concentrator built so that we can get spodumene concentrate to the market. That's our primary focus. But let's face it, it's no secret that there are a lot of strategic investors and participants in the market that are keen to see conversion capacity sooner in Quebec. Who in their right mind wouldn't want conversion capacity, a chemical plant in Quebec, given the human capital, the financial capital, one of the cleanest grids in the world, charging four and a half, five and a half cents Canadian per kilowatt hour. It's it's a no-brainer that there should be capacity capacity in Quebec, and surely that will happen, that, that, that there will be an acceleration of that process. What our role in that is remains to be seen.
9: I think today there is no doubt that the energy transition is happening. So we're entering, I would say, Namaskara, um, bringing in on Namaskar Online at, at a very different period in the supply chain. I think as well um, with the announcement of the IRA in August last year, that has certainly been a game changer and again puts the importance of Canadian lithium and FTA and lithium produced in FTA countries as well um, at top of the priority list. I think beyond Namaskar, um, Canada is an exciting jurisdiction, again, for the benefits of, 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 the, um, of the IRA, but also because a lot of consumers are now very focused on the importance of sustainability, of strong mining practices and a good rule of law, Once and, and obviously low carbon footprint, all of which we, f- we feel Canada really supports. I think the difference with Canada is, you know, look, it's it's still it's been underexplored relative to Australia and we're seeing a lot of exploration activity. I think that Canada has made a commitment to try and streamline and and, and, and shorten the permitting process where possible. But that in itself comes with challenges and, and also sort of dealing with the communities mm. and the other standards which which a lot of the um, producers need to need to abide by. So there is, I think, a lot of potential. I think as well, it's going to be a question of the downstream because we we see that spodumine supply can come online if we look at Australia as a reference, as I said back in 2018. But if we are going to restrict our ability to send that spodumine to China in order to be IRA compliant and to commit it to regional supply chains, building out that downstream capacity in Canada is going to take longer. I think now it's safe to say that the bottleneck of the lithium supply chain is spodumine supply and that is evident by the prices. Downstream capacity, not so much because there is abundant capacity in China. But as the IRA, the geopolitics shifts, if we could start to see again an increase in mean supply, that's going to shift potentially the bottleneck down to the downstream, especially if China then becomes restricted. I think it will be an interesting evolution of, of the prices and supply demand dynamics as a result of this geopolitics environment in which we're in today.
10: We secured a further approval. At the beginning of january for starting the construction of james bay uh, we're now finalizing crossing all the, the t's dotting all the I's on the permit from the at the provincial level which we hope to to obtain it soon with that esaa from the provincial permit we shall be able to submit all of the early works and construction permits that are ready to file what we are doing in the meantime is we are drilling uh, the james bay asset the initial delineation of the body was just to to prove enough reserve and resources to file an NI forty three one oh one. We we want to give it a more thorough view and understand exactly the size of the old body and uh, the quality. Uh, that that we have, as as we have said before, James Bay is a great asset in, in Quebec, in terms of head grade, in terms of uh, very low stripping ratio, in terms of its ability to deliver to the market a very good quality product. So once we start uh, to build the mine, we will start to work on on different options for the vertical integration of the project to bring it down into lithium hydroxide.
4: But you know the resource size at James Bay is just massive. I guess when you think about the the total scale, is this a project that? would have multiple iterations, you know, because it, it's quite a bit larger than what you would see at Mount Catlin. Maybe you can just contrast the two ore bodies and
2: the advantages between the two.
10: We are currently drilling James way to try to delineate the whole ore body. Uh, the initial delineation was, was not sufficient. So we'll be able to tell you uh, in terms of how many times can... Well, What's the total size of this development? Of this uh, development, we'll only be able to tell you once we complete the drilling program that we're currently doing. A couple of things that we know of James Bay is number one, the quality of the acid is very good. The head grade is, is better than what we have in Mount Catling. The pegmatite layers, which are horizontal in Mount Catling, are almost vertical or sloped in in James Bay, which enables us to access the ore with a lower strip ratio. It's about a third of what it would be in Catling, in And also the... The basalt contamination, it's it's completely different while in Catlin, you have the basalt jointly with the pegmatites here. You have clear basalt layers that enable you to separate the basalt from the from the pegmatite. So it is fully funded, it's a low, very, very low operational costs. And the the height grade as I said before, not only improves the recovery of the plant, but also enables us to deliver more and more products to our customers.
11: I do want to bring it back to the project. You recently put out a news release stating that you think there's runway to 100 million tons as an exploration target of open pitable material. Can you just speak a little bit about some of your ex- exploration plans going forward this year? I think it's something that we've seen obviously the market get excited about from some of your peers. Um, so, what's the go forward plan at, at Spark and 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 at, especially the the bolt target which you haven't tested yet?
12: Yes, yeah, we're roughly at 60 million tons there now. It's clear to us through Our our conversations with potential future uh, customers, you know, having the highest grade and having, uh, you know, 25 year project life is really critical in the short term. What's important is outlining a multi-generational asset. Uh, We believe that there's not many assets that are tier one resources in a tier one jurisdiction. But to add to that third leg of the stool that have scalability to enable to grow with OEMs and their objectives. So much of the boring engineering holes have uh, been conducted. Um, and during that time to outline a total of 60 million tons in a mining lease area is really impressive. This year is going to be exciting. Uh, it's the next steps on, to your point, showing the scalability of Spark as it's open in all directions. Uh, we like uh, roughly a one kilometer away on strike over three uh, percent showing through grab samples uh, from Spark. So we think that the potential is uh, quite high to continue to uh, to scale Spark. We believe that we are very strong potential to achieve the uh, hundred million ton. Uh, um, uh, target that, that we've laid out uh, on the project. So in short order, we'll be stepping onto Bolt to uh, uh, start seeing what that, that uh, potential really is. So we think that that's going to be really exciting for, for shareholders and, and the market. It's an important time. We think uh, as uh, there's struggles in the real economy and the market, we think there'll be continued bifurcation. We are really happy that we're passing the PFS threshold.
13: I suppose in the background to that, Critical Resources in January 2022 acquired the Mavis Lake project. That was Critical's first entrance into uh, the lithium space. So they looked around and wanted to get someone in Perth who had a bit of lithium experience. I had a mutual contact who put me into connection with the chairman. I met him and the board and some of the large shareholders, and and you know they offered me a non-exec role just to really you know help guide some of the work with with Mavis Lake and. And you know what lithium really meant for the company. Through the course of the year, you know, I sort of became more familiar with Mavis Lake and what was happening there. And it was, it was really after a site visit to Mavis Lake. I think it was probably in August. I just got a sense that there was a real company-defining project here. You know, I don't, I don't know what it was. I just got a sense that you know we could really make something here and. Uh, I was offered the role as managing director, and so I took it on the on the basis that that was what we were going to do. We were going to focus all of our efforts on Mavis Lake, uh, and push this project as far forward, as quickly, but as diligently as we could, and you know take take the company from you know early stage exploration through to production in as short a shorter time frame as possible. So, last year was very much about exploration and drilling. We delivered some phenomenal results to the market. Throughout the year in terms of sort of particular grade, Uh, we're seeing Mavis Lake deliver some excellent grades. As soon as I started, I wanted to say, you know, what else can we be doing? And this is where we've sort of taken, I suppose, a little bit of risk and accepted that by commencing down some of our technical uh, and environmental and permitting sort of studies and pathways ahead of some of the more classic things like actually having your mineral resource estimate out we we know that we've got something here so like you mentioned with core, you know we'll put out the maiden resource in the near future. We believe it will be sufficient enough to justify taking the next step and moving into pre-feasibility studies but we didn't to wait to get that out and then start the studies. so you know we began met test work at the back end of last year. We did environmental baseline studies. Uh, got people out in the field before the snow came in. We've commenced our scoping study ahead of having the resource estimate out, a- ahead of even having the full met test work results out.
0: There's a lot to come. I think intralithium mergers will have external. You know, it could be a, a, a Rio Tinto. We always you know, talk about them, or or auto OEMs, and to this point. We've talked about the spodjamin duopoly, you know, of mineral resources in Albemall and Pilbara, you know, shutting down Rajina, shutting down Altura. We're still reaping the benefit of that supply taken off the market that has not yet fully come onto the market, right? So that that was a supply constraint. Those tons are now coming into market, but you also have Sigma, North American lithium, and core all coming to market with spodgmine. Right now, same time, they're not part of the this duopoly. They want to they're not going to be disciplined. They're going to produce as much as they can and ship as much as they can. So do you think someone like a Pilbara or an Albemarle strategically makes a move on someone like Sigma because that's the largest, I guess, you know, of of of, of this grouping. Or do you think it doesn't matter? The demand is so great that the supply from of spodumene I from these three deposits, shouldn't impact the overall imbalance in favor of uh undersupply
14: i don't think it makes sense for a big player to come in and, and spend three or four billion to take someone out and then shut down the asset
0: i don't think that i wasn't suggesting shut it down yeah. but just yeah. view the
14: expansion
0: yeah. maybe slower than anna is yeah. in stage two and three i
14: think it makes more well, sense for them to control their own production and you, you know that way and hope that the others follow suit but i i also would flag that you know even if ev sales only go up 30 uh, percent year on year this year that's still a hell of a lot of extra lithium demand that we're going to need in the in the market I, I mean maybe we will see the lithium producers acting but um i i still think that there's a very strong demand demand equation and and also don't forget you know, none of the assets that have come on in the market over the last five years have actually come into production on time and on spec. So, you know, even though these these projects are intended to come in on the second half of the year, it doesn't mean that they will be able to come in on in the second half of the year
1: from an OEM perspective, if you look at what the margins and the earnings of OEMs that are still scaling are doing, it's poor. They are not making money. I just had a look at XPeng's results. They're bad. So, you know, a Tesla is bigger. They've got historic contracts and so on. But I guess if you're going to face an existential crisis, if you have high battery prices, then it makes complete sense that you need supply and you need price locked in. You can't just have the one. So I I I think it's unavoidable to make moves. You know there is going to be a showdown on who controls the material and does what with it soon.
11: Yeah, I, I I agree. Like I think I think that's the side of the argument is if you're a major and you want to control which the speed at which other material is going to come into the market, it seems like potentially a logical thing to do. I think like correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what Albemarle basically tried to do in the last cycle with Minrez to keep Wajina from like out of the market at the time. So I think. I think the argument's there for that, definitely. and i'm and I'm not surprised that some of the majors are considering that. I don't want to stretch too far into another topic, but I think something that we will see more of potentially is also smaller end mergers, so not necessarily acquisitions, but companies who are looking to generate scale quickly. So say, Two projects in Canada who each have 20 million tons, shove them together, and then potentially they produce enough that they can justify the downstream capacity or a larger operation, producing 500,000 tons instead of 200,000 tons. I I think that will be another key theme that we might see in the coming years.
0: Very often, companies, they have multiple assets. The market only gives them value for one or two, or if you're, they're producing like all they're just focused kind of on EBITDA. But in Lithium America's case, that's not the case, I don't think. I think the market does give some value to Thacker Pass and it gives some value to Cachariola Rise. I would argue they probably give no value to the millennial acquisition or the arena acquisition, but I, I'm not sure. You never know. So I'm curious, how, how do you as they split into two companies, it's a three billion market cap company. There's a certain amount of cash that'll go to each company. But how do you think the market's going to value Thacker Pass plus a 10% or 5% interest in um, in green technology metals? You know, versus the Argentina assets?
11: It's definitely hard to say because it's not exactly clear sort of what the pro forma structure will look like. if You alluded to sort of the shares, the allocation of cash. If I'm just sort of baseline looking at my current numbers. Uh, like roughly 40% of my nav today is is sitting in Thacker Pass. But obviously, like right now, stock's currently trading at around half my nav. So to your point, I would say they're not, they're giving some value to Thacker Pass, but not a, a large, large amount. And that also depends on what price deck you're looking at, assuming um, within the numbers.
0: But if you're but saying, like, 40, if you say 40% of your nav, you have a $50 target, which is about 80% upside from here. And it's a three billion market cap company today, US. So call it your your target price is like five or six billion dollars and 40% of that is Thacker Pass. You think Thacker Pass on its own is worth two and a half, three billion dollars?
11: Yeah, like on my numbers right now. Yeah, like I my app is about $60. I use a blended target price, but Thacker Pass is equivalent to $40 per share on, on my numbers. Obviously there's some execution risk that's that's in that as well. Like we'll we'll see this is a big undertaking. Um, this project from a capital cost perspective, from execution risk it being one of the first clay projects to see itself through to to full-scale production. Yeah, it's a large portion of my value, but I don't think the market is is giving them as much credit, obviously, just based on where the share price is currently trading. So they're definitely heavily discounting factor pass, and I think they want to see how that performs going forward. Um, On the separation, though, I I do think it makes sense. I think the two parts, separate from one another is, is worth more than the two parts together. I think in my discussions with institutional investors, there's different shareholder bases. I think there's some shareholders who want exposure to Qari, they want exposure to near term production. They feel very comfortable with Argentina. And then there's another subset of shareholders who really like Sacker pass. They like the US angle, they like GM's involvement. Um, so I think that will be interesting when they separate the two. and I also think it will simplify M A going forward. You alluded to green technology. I also think in Argentina, there's a lot of opportunities there. Obviously, Gang Fang and and Lithium Americas own a number of assets that are in close proximity to each other. So yeah, I think I think the two separate will be worth more than the combined, but it's hard to say exactly what that will look like until we get more details.
0: Okay, and then the, from Lithium Americas strategy, like once this is like in my opinion, this is like the most ambitious project ever undertaken in the lithium world, right? 40,000 plus 40,000, $2.3 billion stage one, you know, flow sheet that is, has produced, I don't know, hundreds of tons, you know, that they're now going to have to scale to 40,000 tons. Do you think that the company should pursue kind of like the Ioneer route, which is like one project, you know, and focus on that? Or do you think, you know, this foothold that they have in green technology metals and spodumene that like the, 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 the split off, you know, Thacker Pass, it, it, is it just going to focus on Thacker Pass or is it going to add on like they added Millennial and and Arena in Argentina, you know, and it seems like they're very interested in, in kind of Canadian spodumene. So what do you think like as a stock? Because the stock will go into financing and then construction and then it'll be a, a number of years before, you know, it's in production again. So what do you think the strategy for Lithium America should be? for North America, and and what do you think it will be?
11: My preference would be to probably not complicate the story too much. I think the main focus should be on on Thacker Pass, just given, as you sort of alluded to, um, the risks associated with that project and the the large undertaking. So I think keeping it focused on Thacker Pass, but at the same time maintaining, I I think it's valuable to maintain the strong relationship with GT1 and their experience in Hard Rock. I think GT1 itself is looking to continue to be active in Canada. On their current projects, Route and Seymour, but also aggressively looking at other opportunities to expand um, their resource base and get into production as soon as possible. So I think down the line, there's there's probably some some opportunity for those companies to come together. I don't know if immediately in the near term is is the right strategy. I think I think the focus is on ThackerPath currently and will probably remain that way. But I, I think they'll keep a relationship.